0: This is Brian. This is behind the scenes with Brian, and today I am joined by Justin Hune. Justin, how are you today? Doing great, Brian. Glad to be with you here today. Yeah, it's a beautiful day where I am in the Colorado mountains, and I hope you're having a beautiful day too. It's
1: a little warm where I am. It's pushing 100 degrees here in Southern California, but I'm indoors
0: at the moment, so no complaints. Yeah, we're definitely having a warm summer just about everywhere, and I hope you're plenty safe and far away from the fires that are raging through California. Thank you. Yeah, there's none around
1: me here. We we got it really bad a few years ago, but uh, we're, we're spared for the
0: moment. Yeah, good. <laughs> and we're recording this during the pandemic, so hopefully you're weathering this thing as well as anybody else could be.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah,
0: there haven't been any problems here. yeah good good yeah same same here and nice i just wanted to throw in that you're the founder and publisher at uh, uranium insider and we'll talk about that a little bit later just to kind of whet the appetites of the listeners so justin won't you tell us a little bit about yourself your background your education sure
1: yeah um well i'm uh I'm a retail investor. Um, I've been investing in the markets for about a decade. Prior to getting involved with investing, I was a farmer. Um, So I started a small organic farm um, here in Southern California and started up an organic seed company with a friend of mine and still find (laughs) um, agriculture and permaculture and um, all things homesteading to be incredibly fascinating and really light me up so that's kind of my my really core passion that I look forward to getting back to Um, and I started trading actually simultaneously as I was farming um, which was fun and um, I I did uh, I immediately took to sort of the math element of trading and got into technical trading more than anything to begin with Um, over the course of a number of years I was able to connect with Um, a really kind and generous person through the website Seeking Alpha who kind of took me under his wing and taught me how to trade technically and how to read charts and he didn't he really had a simple methodology um, that I stuck with and worked really well for me which was basically you know breakouts on volume um, taught me how to uh, read chart patterns and how to size positions correctly and use stop losses and all of that. And I did that for a number of years with a pretty good amount of success. Um, 2016, I became aware of the uranium investment thesis through a podcast called Wall Street Unplugged with Frank Curzio and it really kind of struck me for a multitude of reasons one I remember Fukushima very clearly um, yeah. because I was farming at the time and I had a couple of friends of mine at the time that were staying with me who we were always waxing poetic about all things environmental and political yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah. you know having hours and hours long conversations about anything that 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 intersected with those subjects and (laughs) when that happened i remember being quite frightened by the realization that there were 400 and something reactors around the world and this was just one that that you know melted down and um and of course you know your sentiment is often fed by media frenzy and so when i heard the uranium thesis and discussions about nuclear power it really kind of struck me because part of the discussion was the fact that nuclear power is actually quite safe um, in terms of electricity production methods it's the safest method that's ever been conceived in terms of lives lost per kilowatt hour generated and that really twisted my beliefs on that on its head on their head and got me to kind of think more deeply about it and Um, Obviously, at the same time, being interested in investing and at the time, technical trading. So it was kind of like a a twist of thinking in my ideology around nuclear energy, while at the same time, a twist in thinking in my investment strategy, going from technical trading to um, buying something for a fundamental reason in a sector that absolutely nobody was interested in going long. So all of those things, and that's just kind of a typical Thing for me in my life, I've always been that way. When I, I really like having my beliefs shaken up, and yeah. when something that I know to be true turns out not to be true, it really kind of shakes me and and gets me to think, and I love that. So, so yeah, I started looking into the sector after that podcast and was pretty intrigued. I joined Twitter um, originally to connect with people to talk about cryptocurrencies and slowly got into a a small but growing uranium investment community there um over the years kind of built up a following there because even doing a small amount of research back then already felt like i had something i could share with most other people that were interested in the space and the research just kept getting deeper and deeper because nothing really came to light to turn me away from the thesis Mm. Um, it continued to grow more positive the overlying or the underlying I should say fundamentals of the sector with a a commodity that's trading at you know a third of, of the price of what it or a quarter of the price of what it should be to incentivize yeah. mines yeah growing sector um, the contrarian thing really kind of intrigued me and so starting in 2017 I started to position myself in some of the equities and continued to educate myself and Um, just kind of never really looked back it's only really gotten better with very little bearish thesis to come in to counter what looks to me to be a a very strong investment thesis and so i started this newsletter two years ago i had a free newsletter about a year before that um then started this two years ago as a paid subscription just because i was putting so much time into it and my free newsletter subscribers were asking me and telling me hey you got to do a paid thing and tell us what you're buying and oh yeah yeah you know, so so that sort of, that's what started it was actual demand from people which is kind of cool and it's just grown from there and so we're in a really unique position now where we're, it's not so much a contrarian investment anymore other than the fact that most investors are still unfamiliar with uranium um, as a commodity as an investable sector and but the stocks have made nice moves we are probably in the first couple of innings of a what i think is going to be a multi-year bull run and there's a number of factors that are contributing to that thesis but that's kind of the the short the short background
0: story of my investing career yeah well that, that's really interesting and so i've got a couple of questions for you start off with a comment just leading up to fukushima nuclear energy was about to take a really big uptick and that came to kind of a screeching halt because of the fukushima disaster but like you say it really is in terms of lives lost per megawatt hour it really is the safest form of energy and um you you know it really is a wave of the future but now you, you were a farmer and you are growing and selling organic seeds. Doesn't that kind of uh, come at odds against somebody that's promoting uranium?
1: I don't think so. Um, I mean, first, I would just say that I, I don't just kind of blindly believe most narratives. You know, I yeah. mean, we could talk for hours about is sustainability actually even possible, Um, you know it's sustainable that term is just so thrown around that I think it's more a a means of speaking relatively than absolutely and Mm -hmm. um, you know to the extent that energy is needed and necessary and a good thing for humanity which I think someone could make a strong argument for um, nuclear energy in my opinion is amongst the the cleanest forms of energy and um, is one of the safer forms of energy. Um, So, I I mean, it does bother me that we are pushing to electrify everything as fast as possible without putting as much emphasis on the energy source um, or having a discussion about reducing energy consumption. Um, So the narrative is just so strong in the let's electrify absolutely everything as fast as possible. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that narrative. And that's not because I'm in, you know, total support of fossil fuels. But I just think um, I think a more balanced objective is more realistic, especially coming from the um, let's say the environmental left that is very alarmist about carbon but also mostly opposed to nuclear and to me that's just like speaking out of both sides of their mouths it doesn't make sense to me at all Um, but yeah I think that I mean obviously in a homestead sort of environment you're looking at some kind of off-grid situation you're looking at um, as using as little electricity as possible so that you don't need that much electricity but if we're speaking in terms of the existence and the uh, survival of modern industrial civilization then i think nuclear is about as good as it can get in terms of clean energy production and the narrative around the the, the waste problem for nuclear i think is overstated in that there's been very little if any um issues with waste storage over the years other than the fact in the states we can't seem to agree on a central location so the waste is stored at the individual facilities but it's it's the only energy production um, means that has its waste stored so heavily regulated so you know for example coal power the waste is in your lungs um yeah you know natural gas is a lot cleaner but there's still you know you're still dealing with carbon you're still dealing with some uh, pollutants other than carbon being emitted in the atmosphere. So while those don't produce a physical waste that you store in a barrel, the waste is in the oceans, the waste is in your lungs, the waste is in the air and the water. And so I think uh, storing it, um, you know, the Finns came up with a really inventive way to store um, in these deep, deep caves where they'd actually take the the, the container, the cylinder of waste that's already in, a containment of concrete and steel yeah. bury it hundreds of meters below the ground and encapsulated it in more concrete and in clay and um in a particular geology that you know is unlikely to ever have inflows from groundwater or deal with seismic activity or or ever be able to be accessed so um it's not perfect not, and i don't think any energy source is perfect but i think in the context of modern civilization it's about as close as you can get
0: yeah, yeah, it's certainly one of the answers to the issue of, of uh, electricity. I, I think you you brought this up. Many years ago, I worked at the Bureau of Mines, and we were working uh, on Yucca Mountain. Mm. And Yucca Mountain, they were saying, well, we want these voids to stay open for a minimum of 500 years because we want to be able to go back inside and look at the condition of the vaults or whatever it is that's holding the spent uranium hmm. and, and we, we don't want things to close in we don't want to concrete it in and it's very possible that they were just they just had a different playbook than uh, i think you said the Finns who mm-hmm. just say put it in entomb it safely in something that's never going to escape concrete it up and done Right, And it was very possible that like the thinking at Yucca Mountain was just in the wrong direction that it's it's like, why do you want to look at it? Just make it so it can never get opened. Right. Good point. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah. So would I've heard nuclear energy described as a green energy. Would you agree or what is your view on that?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, because not only is it not carbon emitting, but it's not really anything emitting besides steam. Um, it, you know, The traditional larger reactors take a lot of energy to build. They take a lot of concrete. Um, obviously, the uranium needs to be mined. It's a mined mineral that has to be converted and then enriched and then fabricated into fuel rods. And it's a yep. very involved process. Um, but it has a number of advantages, especially for certain locations, um, like Japan, for example, because they don't have a lot of um, energy resources there. Uh, nuclear really worked well for them, I guess, up until Fukushima, of course, but in the, in the way that it's an extremely dense form of energy. Um, and now we're seeing a... Uh, kind of a renaissance of nuclear and a lot of it has to do with the new designs that they're coming up with for these small modular reactors uh, known as smr's there's a number of companies that are working on them and they are much smaller they're they're anywhere from you know 50 megawatts up to 500 megawatts and the typical reactor is you know a thousand megawatts or more And these reactors are, um, they're much smaller, they can be built much faster. So that's one of the downsides of nuclear is it takes forever and it's extremely expensive to build a traditional large plant, especially in the States when you're dealing with labor unions and regulations that some other countries might have lesser of. So these reactors, the one, for example, called the Natrium reactor that's being designed and built by NuScale, they have made a deal with the um, state government of Wyoming to implement the first natrium reactor at a former coal power plant site where a coal plant um, has been or will be shut down. I think it's already shut down, but there's an existing electrical grid that this thing can plug into. And what's cool about this particular design is that it, well, first of all, most of these SMRs run on higher enriched uranium. So you'll have like a traditional reactor running on, let's say three to four or five percent enriched uranium. Uh And these will run on, you know, up to 20%, just under 20%. Uh And they don't have to be the fuel doesn't have to be reloaded for a much, much longer period of time. Whereas you'll have a reload in a traditional plant every 18 months or something like that. Um, But these will go sometimes 10 to 20 years without a fuel reload. And this particular design is so cool because it runs at 345 megawatts. But it can cycle up, um, and that's one of the downsides to nuclear. is It's difficult for it to cycle up and down because of its size and the way that it's generating energy. Um, most people don't know this, but the fact the more that we have intermittent renewables on the grid, the more we actually require um, a baseload source that can cycle yeah. easily up and down. And so, yeah, you like more wind, more solar. That's great, but also that equals more need for that base load power which in the states comes from natural gas so this smr um, it stores excess heat um, in the form of molten salt and so it can hold the excess heat from the generation mm. of the energy mm. and then it can use that heat to cycle up from 345 megawatts to 500 megawatts and cycle back down and it can run at that peak for five hours so it's really cool because this thing could potentially plug into grids that have a higher percentage of,
0: of solar and wind and work in perfect unison um, right right so when uh when the wind's not blowing if for example in the nighttime, which it usually quiets down mm-hmm. we get out more nuclear or uh yeah I, I could see where that could be very beneficial or during uh, peak consumption hours
1: yeah it's it's pretty exciting technology and they're working, at, I, think, I think three different companies are working on it in the States, another company in Canada, and of course the Chinese and the Russians are working on yeah. it too, as yeah. well as their larger reactors that they're pumping out. So yeah, that's kind of a long answer, but I think, I believe that it's 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 as green as any of the other quote unquote green technologies. In fact, I think it's more green. Um, you have uh, a technology such as, um, hydro hydroelectricity that produces you know no emissions whatsoever but it's pretty destabilizing to a to a watershed and an ecology yeah. and um it's it's touted as being green energy but really if you if you really look into the detriments of damming a river it's so much more than just stopping the water it's like the downstream and upstream effects of it are pretty
0: ecologically devastating in most cases right right yeah yeah a lot of people are really against hydro um just because it interrupts natural flows of rivers and uh fish habitats and things like that so something that seems to be the cleanest possible hydropower isn't really that favored by a, a lot of a lot of a lot of people so i, I think uh yeah you're, you're right that nuclear energy certainly is one of the cures for the future and uh we're probably a little bit behind schedule because of things like fukushima
1: yeah it definitely set the sector back a lot in terms of sentiment you know not to even speak of the commodity and the prices from an investment standpoint which we're just finally working through the excess of supply because of that but yeah that definitely nuclear took a big hit from uh, in sentiment from fukushima but Um, I feel like we're coming out of that. We actually have bipartisan support for nuclear energy in the United States. And, um, you know, the two sides don't seem to agree on damn near anything. So (laughs) it's nice that we have both Democrats and Republicans here supporting nuclear, at least when it comes to supporting the existing plants that are already built and are up and running and producing energy now. Making sure sure they're running safe and extending, not shutting them down prematurely.
0: So... Justin, uh, ju- assume that I, I'm a casual investor and I'm, I'm not terribly excited about nuclear energy or uranium or mining or anything like that. Why would I want to invest in uranium as a commodity?
1: uh well first of all the nuclear energy is a growth sector um so that's kind of you know a basic and a fundamental investment as you you see some growth for the sector that you're investing in it's set to grow between one and three percent through this decade and even more in the following decade um it's being increasingly touted as a green energy as we've already talked about Um, and it's also a very um slow to move physical commodity market so yeah. what i mean is the mined mineral that comes out of the ground depending on how it's mined but let's just say it's a hard rock mine mm-hmm. um that's mined out of the ground it's milled <clears throat> it's uh it's processed into what's called yellow cake which is like a fine powder that's shipped to a converter where it's converted to uranium hexafluoride or uf6 That then goes to an enricher where it's spun at extremely high speeds where this gas, UF-6 Uh is a gas, is spun in a a centrifuge to um, separate the U-235 and U-238 isotopes because the U-235 isotope is the fissile isotope that is only 0.7% and they got to get it up to three and a half to 5%. So it's enriched, then it's sent to a fuel fabricator and fabricated into rods that are specific to individual reactors because every reactor um, is different in the terms of the the amount of enrichment and the style and the shape and the size of the fuel rods, etc. Yeah. That whole process from a hard rock mine takes about two years. Wow. Um, from an ISR mine, if all of those facilities are in close proximity, like they are in Kazakhstan and Russia, it can be as little as twelve months. But that's pretty rare. Usually, it's an eighteen to twenty-four month process.
0: Still, still a one-year process is, is a very long time for. Yes. To In the ground to to be in a run, yes, Uh, and and so I mean the investment thesis is
1: basically the sector is growing, the commodity is trading at prices that are lower than the average cost of production in in the world. Um, It's been on a run the past few weeks because there's a because Sprott, which is a massive asset manager, took over the primary physical fund and turned it into the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust, and they've been in the market buying physical uranium. Um, and it's moved the price up about 20% in three weeks, which is insane. Um, but you have, so the marginal cost of production is more like $70 a pound. And we're now sitting at $40 a pound. So it's basically the price has to go up and, um, nuclear utilities, they have to buy uranium. They're not going to shut down a multi-billion dollar asset because the uranium price went up $10 or $20, whatever it might be. So it's basically one of those things. The price goes up or the lights go out. I mean, to put it very simply. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a little bit extreme, but it's essentially the thesis. And the the miners are finally getting up to decent valuations. But we're just getting to that point where we're seeing um, real funds start to flow into the space. And there's only 65 stocks in the space. So it's very, very small sector especially compared to you know gold and silver for example yeah yeah um so it's when real money flows into this sector the the moves can be quite uh parabolic to put it lightly and i think that we're we're just starting the thesis all along has been not only that utilities have to come back to the term contracting market and we need these prices to be higher to balance you know to create a healthy nuclear fuel market but also that eventually as as happened in the previous bull market in 2004, 2007, financial players would likely corner the physical market. And that started happening this year. And then SPROT just kind of took
0: it up to the next level. Yeah. So is there anything like an ETF or do you have to go out to the individual mining companies to invest?
1: There are, yeah, there's multiple ETFs. Um, there is, the primary one is URA mm. and it's the Global X uranium um, ETF. It's on the New York Stock Exchange it um it's only 70 percent allocated to uranium companies so it's not a pure play Uh but it's the most liquid so it's usually what the larger investments go into um there's another one called urnm the north shore global uranium etf
0: Hmm.
1: and that ipo'd last january 3 million and i think it's aum is north of 500 million here um so it's had some good funds flowing into it that's a a very well managed etf so Or smaller you know retail guys that just want etf exposure to uranium i would recommend that one over ura and then there's a much smaller one in canada hura which is also a quality a pure play etf and as far as the miners go like i said there's only about 65 stocks in the whole space and they're anywhere from you know less than 20 million dollar explorer kind of penny stocks all the way up to because Adam Prom, um, which is the Kazakhstani miner, Cameco, which is a multi-billion-dollar company that's currently mining uranium everywhere in between. Um, so yeah, we, for the newsletter, we like to find companies that um, have individual stories, have individual catalysts that happen and stay in the news flow, and um, in, in stay in, in investors' awareness during a bull market, those are the companies we really like. and Mostly development companies that we look at for the most part. We don't really like to gamble on explorers even though they can be the biggest winners if they make a, a nice discovery during a bull market. And there's some good explorer companies out there. Ooh, as well. Right, and
0: they get taken over by a bigger uh, operation. Yep. I would imagine that uh, people could go out to your website if they want more specific information. And what what is the website? sure yeah the website's
1: uraniuminsider.com okay i'm also quite active on twitter and um, a lot of people communicate with me through there and um, if any of your listeners are interested they can send us an email um, through the website and the support page or the contact page and um, we'd be happy to send out a a sample newsletter from a previous month and
0: you can get an idea of the type of content that we put out oh fantastic okay Okay, that, that sounds really good. Uh, Justin, we've gone through a lot of information today, and you've taught me quite a bit about the Uranium space. Is there anything else you wanted to add to that?
1: Um, I would just say for, for folks that are listening who are used to um, investing in resource stocks, Uranium is particularly volatile, mm. um, and which is why you get these particularly large moves you can't get these outsized gains without the volatility and even with a perfect fundamental setup you'll still have some pretty gut-wrenching pullbacks we had a about a 35% pullback in July and then it dropped you know another it it, it recovered and then dropped again made a higher low in August and a lot of investors were really kind of starting to doubt the thesis because spot mm. was about to corner the market and they were expecting yeah. they were expecting investors to come and front run that event <laughs> yeah, their atm right. going live right. and expecting yeah. <laughs> expecting nuclear fuel traders to front run it and see the spot market move and so yeah. we had the spot market trickling down weeks before Sprott's atm went live and people were bailing out left and right and you know we we sent out an email a couple of days off of the bottom in july and was like hey this yeah. is this is a perfectly healthy correction. The volumes are low. The ETFs are not, there's no share redemptions happening in the ETFs. Um, hang on. And if you're still positioning in tranches, which is also what we recommend now is a time for a tranche. Yeah. And uh, you know, we've had so many people reach out in the past three weeks with this excellent recovery, just saying, thank you. Thank you for being a voice of reason when I was panicking. And um, so that volatility can be, can be difficult. Um but it, it goes in both directions and uh, it's exciting when it goes up and it hurts when it goes down. But, yeah, um, yeah. So far the trend has been uh, higher highs, higher lows for the past year. And, and now it's really taking off too. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Well, it does sound like a very interesting uh, space to be in. And I think probably the world has starting to take at least baby steps back to the nuclear energy uh, direction, and I think that's a positive thing for all of us for sure.
1: I think so too. Yeah, it's I mean, I'm just happy to see the the environmental left start to embrace it because I, it just it bothered me to no end, like with the the Green New Deal coming out saying that the world will end in ten years because of carbon, but also yeah. no nuclear. Yeah, like you can't have both of those things. I'm sorry, you can't you just yeah, can't we're have we're that right. right it's yeah it's nice to see it embraced and the new technologies with the smrs is just super cool there's a documentary i think you if you haven't already seen it you probably enjoy it called um a new a new fire and it um it follows a number of young passionate um nuclear nuclear engineers um in 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 their studies and their college years and working on these designs and it's it's really
0: exciting stuff oh interesting i'll have to look for that yeah i appreciate that no worries so Justin do you, do you have uh, I I really enjoyed the time we've spent together and one of the reasons I have this podcast is to make myself a little smarter and so in that regard I thank you. My pleasure. Thank you yeah. for having me on. Absolutely. And uh, before we part ways I just wanted to ask you if you've got any parting words of wisdom or uh, anything else to add.
1: Um I think the only let's see words of wisdom gosh (laughs) um you know just just speaking again on the volatility if you if you really understand the the, uh, here's the words of wisdom know why you're getting into something and know what will get you out um no matter no matter what it is Uh. whether it's a a rock climb (laughs) Yeah. yeah or it's an investment um if you because if you entered for the wrong reason, not the wrong reason, but if you enter based on a technical signal, then you should know what technical signal will get you out. And if you entered because of a fundamental thesis that you know the price of uranium is going to $75 plus over the two to three year time frame, you don't want to panic sell because of a, a small correction. I know 25 to 35% is not a small correction, but yeah. Um, in uranium, it kind of is. We're likely to see 30 to 50% corrections during the bull market, and it's <laughs> going to be difficult to hang on. Yeah. Yeah. But always know what gets you in because that's the only way you know how to get out or why to get out. And I guess I would lastly say, you know, I, I think we're in for a, a multi year run in commodities, um, barring a, a larger broad market correction, which is always possible. But I think that we'll see nice gains in most of the metals, oil and gas, um, a lot of the commodities. And I think uranium is probably one of the leaders because of its tiny market size and the increasing visibility that it's now starting to get, I think makes it prime for a a really solid
0: investment thesis. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. I I appreciate that. Justin, I know you're a busy guy. We talked uh, before the interview about what you've been up to just today. So I don't want to take up any more of your time, but I really appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us and getting us all a little bit smarter about uranium, nuclear power and investing in that market.
1: It's truly my pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Absolutely, Justin. It's been my pleasure. Well, that's it. I'm Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Until next time, keep on rockin'.